I hope that today's text sounds familiar to you, particularly if you were here last Sunday, because it's the first part of what Andy preached on. And as he preached, uh, it caught my imagination, and I thought maybe we need to uh, linger a bit there. So here we go. John 20, 19. When it was evening on that day, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the word of the Lord. The disciples were locked in a room. Now, we all know about locked rooms. They're great for protection. You can put up thick walls and high walls and slam the door and lock it and throw away the key and, and be protected in there. But those same rooms can become prison cells, imprisoning us, separating us, isolating us, really paralyzing us and maybe even immobilizing us like the disciples in that room that day. Well, when I think about locked rooms, you know, we do all have them. Some of them we get inside, but others we just, there's a part of us that we lock off and put away and, and set aside, and maybe if we just forget about it, it'll go away. It's how we respond to life that we end up with those locked rooms, right? It's, it's fear, for instance, with the disciples. Um, it, it can be guilt or shame. Those can create our locked rooms. Unforgiveness. It can be a feelings of worthlessness from, from early rejection or abuse. It, it can be grief. The loss of a loved one, particularly when it's unfair and way too early. It can even be our locked rooms. It can be grief about what we wish that we were, that we found out that we're not, or that we're not anymore. We have our locked rooms, and, and it's not that they're wrong, they just are. They're symptoms of life. But Jesus is not willing to leave us in those locked rooms. He is the, the Lord of the resurrection. And he shows up in our locked rooms, just like he did in our reading today. Now, I had always heard that Jesus was quite the gentleman and that he stands at the door and knocks and if you open it up and let him in, he'll come in and sup with you. That means he eats with you, sits down to eat. 
But apparently Jesus didn't get the memo because he walked right through the walls in this one. He didn't stand at the door and knock. He just showed up right in the middle of their locked room. Now, I don't think that he forces himself on us. Um, if, if the disciples had said, get out right now, he would have. And if we say that to him when he shows up in our locked rooms, you know, he'll, he'll leave. But just like in last week's sermon, which I hope if you haven't heard it, you will go online. It was, it was just priceless. It, it talked about how Jesus keeps showing up where we need it most. And he does that in our locked rooms. And if we allow him to stay, he gives us peace. Not peace as the world gives, but, but peace that is beyond uh, just like absence of conflict. Peace that's beyond just chilling. That's not his peace. Chilling is not Jesus' peace. Jesus' peace is Old Testament shalom peace, which is the peace that is wholeness, completion. That's the peace that he gave to his disciples in that room that day. My peace I give to you. The resurrected Christ shows up in our locked rooms and if we receive him if we are willing to respond to him if we take his hand he'll lead us out well in the next chapter of John chapter 21 he appears in another locked room and this is this is Peter's locked room it's a it's a room of guilt and shame, right? I mean, Peter had, had bragged in front of all the other disciples, no, I'll go with you to the very end. I'll die with you. And Jesus knew, and he said, no, Peter, actually, before the cock crows, you will have denied that you even know me three times. Three times, not just once, not just once, three times, to save your own skin. And, and the way that went down, as you remember, was the night that Jesus was arrested. In the middle of the night, they were, they were giving him a rush trial. At, first at the, the place of Caiaphas, the high priest. And outside there was a courtyard and, and a charcoal fire there. And, and people warming themselves by the fire. And one of them came up and said, wait, didn't I see you? Aren't you one of his followers? Oh, no, uh-uh. No, no, don't know him. And, uh, and then another one came and said, no, no, I saw you with him, didn't I? And he said, no, no, that, that wasn't me. I don't know him. And a third person came up and said, no, you were with him. I saw you. And he stood there and cussed the guy out and said, no, I don't know him. And then the cock crowed. And bam, the door on his locked room of guilt and shame slammed closed. Well, the resurrected Christ is never about leaving us there. And although Peter was in the midst of, of hell and pain, I mean, can't you just feel what it was like for him? And 
he not only had the grief and, uh, and the grief of Christ dying, his beloved Messiah, his master, but he had all this guilt and shame for, for being there powerless and then denying him, right? And then on top of that, in that room, he had all the guilt for not being who he thought he was. Now, he was trapped. The resurrected Christ never leaves us in our locked rooms or with locked rooms inside of us. He shows up right in the middle of it. And this is how that looked. Peter, because he didn't know anything else to do, said, look, I'm going fishing. It's what we do when we're trapped and we don't know how to step forward. We go to what we know. And so he's out there fishing and, and Jesus is there on the, the bank and he builds himself a charcoal fire that he's going to cook the fish on. He already has fish. They're looking for him. They don't find him and he calls out to him, Hey, you guys, you need to throw the net on the other side. That's where the fish is. And John, the beloved disciple, immediately recognized him and said, that's the Lord. And Peter, he had such a soft place in his heart for Christ. He jumps in and swims to shore. But don't you know that swim was conflicted <laughs> once he got in there. And Jesus is there by the, the charcoal fire and listen to how he begins to heal Peter, he steps right in to that locked room of guilt and shame. He says, Peter, do you love me? Now, it wasn't just love. It was, do you agape me? Do you, do you love me unconditionally? Now, Peter didn't love him unconditionally. He proved that, right? Can't you just see and just <sighs> deflate it? Lord, you know, you know that I phileo you. I love you with human love. And Jesus didn't leave him in that painful moment. He said, then feed my lambs. Gave him a job to do. <sighs> Man, maybe that's done. Peter thinks. And then, and then Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? He says it a second time. Do, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter, exasperated, says, says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I love you with, with human love. Then tend my sheep. And then, stepping right on that pain, with love, knowing love, Jesus says to him, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you, do you love me with human love? You see, he, he asks a question that Peter can answer yes to. He changes the question for Peter. So Peter, 
can be accepted right as he is. Because all Jesus needed was Peter, just as he was. That's all he needed. And he says, feed my sheep. Now, I don't know if you see it, but Peter had to be part of this. He had to use his voice. He had to be vulnerable. He had to make meaning of it for himself, of of the pain. He had to claim the pain and own it before he could be healed. And when he did, Jesus took him by the hand and walked him right outside that room because the door had been flung open just as quickly as it flung closed. He led him to serving. But you know what? I think more than that, he led him to a dance floor to begin dancing with him. Peter, go with me. We need a new dance. And others see the dance and they believe and they follow. Jesus never leaves us in our locked rooms. We all have them. You know what I'm talking about. This past week I was looking for a sermon illustration for this and I was hoping that that, um, God would not disappoint and believe me, he did not. And you won't believe where he gave this sermon illustration. At a presbytery meeting. Who knew that God showed up at presbytery? Oh my gosh! We were in a committee meeting of, of the Committee on Preparation for Ministry and a, an inquirer who was going through the process of becoming a candidate and becoming a minister came in for her annual review and she allowed me to tell her story. It's a, it's a it might be even too soon to tell it because It is so holy and precious, this healing that is taking place. So we're on holy ground. Joanna Kim, who is the director of of ministry services at Grace Presbytery, began her inquiring process into the ministry about six years ago, just a year Months, really, months before her teenage son, Tobias, was tragically killed in a car wreck. And don't you know, I mean, her whole life just stopped. And in that moment, she was thrown into a pit of of unspeakable pain and grief. And and questions that had no answers, and silence. And we asked her in her 
this, this stupid annual review. You know, these annual reviews come up. And here's just an annual review. And we ask ourselves, where are you with God? And she said, well, about two weeks ago, I was asked to preach at a Good Friday service at Lake Highlands Presbyterian, one of seven women. And we, we preached on the seven last words of Christ, you know, those statements that he said from the cross when he was dying there. I'm thirsty. Today you will be with me in paradise. Those words. The word that she was given to preach on, woman, behold your son. That was the word where Christ was on the cross and Mary, his mother, was at the foot of the cross and and. And he wanted her to be cared for and to have someone to care for in his dying. And, and, and so there the beloved disciple John, he said, Mary, here is your son. This is your new son, John. And, and John, here is your mother. Take care of her. Are you kidding? That's the word? She had to preach on? Are you kidding? Woman, behold your son. Jesus shows up in our locked rooms with love and stands right there in the middle of the pain. He knows our pain. And he invites us to speak to speak, to make meaning. He asks us the questions that we need to be asked. And there, all of a sudden, there's sort of a new way out. And so her meaning-making in that moment was, what is the community? What, what sons of faith, what daughters of faith will I have? What mothers and fathers of faith. And for her in that dark pit, that opened a new way. It opened a way out. And as that door cracked open, she took Christ's hand and walked into it in front of the Committee on Preparation for Ministry. Now, that's vulnerable. And said, I, I don't even really have words to say what's going on here or how it looks. And in my standing here looking on, I see her beginning a new dance with Christ. Him so close that he breathed the Holy Spirit onto her straight out of his human yet divine lungs and empowers her for the call forward, the 
It's always a call to serve. Isn't that crazy? And she said that that Easter, two weeks ago, was the first Easter that she and her other son, Jeremiah, had been able to worship together for five years. She said, I'd been chasing Easter, but it found me. Praise be to God, the God of the resurrection, who never leaves us. Amen.